Welcome to the Common Ground Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now, here are your co-hosts, Megan Rawlings and Kevin Witham. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to our Common Grounds Unity podcast. We're so glad to have you back with us today, and we have a great podcast in store, some great conversation. I'm Kevin Witham, uh, here with my co-host, Megan Rawlings and Kevin, I am so excited today because we have Dr. Terry Alcorn from Kentucky Christian University. And just so you guys have a little bit of knowledge of who this great guy is, he graduated from KCU in 1985 with a Bachelor's of Science in Christian Ministry and has earned degrees from the Rio Grande Bible Institute Spanish Certificate. Ashland Theological Seminary, where he got a master's in cross-cultural studies, Cleveland State University, where he has a master's in Spanish language and literature, and Capella University, where he got a PhD in education. Dr. Alcorn was a missionary, preacher, he's done it all. Dr. Alcorn, say hello to the good people. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, but please call me Terry. (laughs) And just for you guys listening, Dr. Alcorn's my boss, so you heard it here, I can call him Terry. Dr. Alcorn, tell us just a little bit about yourself, the things that I kind of glazed over. Well, it it really has been uh, a joyous run to see what uh, the Lord has in store. And for younger leaders out there, can I just encourage you to enjoy the ride uh, and let the Lord lead you down a path that seems like it's going in all kinds of different directions, but ends up exactly where he'd have you to be. I Grew up in a rural town outside of that town in northern Ohio at a great church with great leadership and and amazing parents and uh, ended up coming to Kentucky Christian University uh, right out of high school uh, because of the uh, influence of my home church and my preacher and my youth minister. And that whole journey started me on a journey that led me to... um, serve in Latin America. My wife and I worked in Puerto Rico for several years, and we're still connected with that work there. We've also done mission work in Cleveland with Latin Americans there. And following that, we got into uh, higher education ministry in St. Louis and in Florida. And it's just a privilege to be back at Kentucky Christian University serving as their sixth president. And and for those that don't know, uh, Kentucky Christian University is a, a university that is affiliated with the independent Christian churches, Churches of Christ, and uh, it is in, in Lexington, Kentucky. I am correct there, am I not? Grayson, Kentucky. Grayson, Grayson Kentucky. Kentucky. That's right. My apologies. We'll forgive you this once. Don't do it again. <laughs> is Grayson near Lexington? <laughs> They're both in the same state, so you were very close. Both? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, my, my apologies on that. But... Um, I'd love to ask you, uh, Terry, what is it that led you to come to Kentucky Christian University? You've got a, a diverse uh, background in, in ministry and in Christian education. What excited you about going to Kentucky Christian to 
to take the helm there. Uh, if, if you would, let me tell you why I came the first time, and it'll explain better why I came the second time. When I was growing up in my home church, there was a real emphasis on ministry, a real emphasis on service. Uh, regularly from the pulpit, my, my preacher, Pat Mooney, preached about going into Christian ministry. My youth minister regularly talked about that. And there was a steady stream of us flowing from that smaller church in that smaller town uh, to, to KCU and to Cincinnati and other places to get involved in ministry. And so in, in reality, uh, I was called and trained and, um, and groomed for ministry by a leadership at a church before I ever got to, before I ever got to KCU. As a matter of fact, uh, I found out that Kentucky Christian College at that point had recruiters after I'd already applied and been accepted. I didn't even realize they did that. I thought the local church did that. And uh, we just all went there to, to serve. Uh, oh, and uh, and so that, that's a true story. So I, I, I met her at camp and I was like, oh, that's interesting. They they send people out to recruit students. Who would have thought to do that? But at any rate, uh, uh, my experience at KCU was a, was a fantastic experience where I sat under great teachers and had good mentors. And a lot of people had a lot of patience with me, groomed me for ministry. At this point in my life, I'm very concerned about the training of leaders for the church and for the next generation. And honestly, that's why I um, that's why I came back. My wife and I uh, were in a good situation in Florida and uh, had um, family around us and were enjoying life. But we felt strongly this was something that needed to happen. We're very concerned about the training of leaders for the next generation, and that's why we came back. So KCU, um, as you stated, is a training ground for future ministry leaders, kingdom workers. How are you guys, how are we specifically training students <laughs> for unity within the restoration movement? Yeah, those are those are really key issues that we've got to talk about. And and I think, uh, you know, as a as a broader university, Kentucky Christian University, we have a, a fairly broad spectrum of offerings that include ministry, but also include oh, business. We have a fantastic nursing program and elementary education and social work. And, and I, don't, I don't want to try to list them all to forget some. That would be embarrassing for the president to do that. But it, it, it is a broad spectrum of offerings. But within that, we also offer uh, of course, uh, we have a school of Bible and ministry where we train ministers, but all of our students have to take at least 12 hours of, of a of Bible and learn about that. They can also minor in it if they want to um, go along with that with their other degrees. But to me, unity happens around and centered on and focused on the Word of God. And if we can bring people together to look at and study and believe the Word of God, I believe that we can bring more unity about. You know, uh, 220 years ago at Cane Ridge, just, I don't know, 45 minutes or an hour from this campus, uh, a revival started during a difficult period in the history of the United States in 1801. People were receptive to the gospel, and that message of unity rung true in their hearts. And I believe the same thing 220 years later, that we have that opportunity to preach that message. Yeah, you're, you're in such a, a great historical spot for our movement and such a great starting point for this whole idea of 
non-denominational Christianity and just following Christ. So well, it's just so exciting to see uh, a university and churches thriving there and, and then the spread of this movement. Let me ask you, uh, Terry, if I could, uh, with, with the increasing secularism in our culture, um, how do you see the role of Christian universities and colleges kind of shaping uh, the future? And, and how do you, as a college president, how do you maintain that distinctive Christian mission? I'm sure there are a lot of pressures on you. So talk to those two questions a little bit, if you could. Well, and if I get off track, just kind of uh, let me know, and I'll try to get back to the topic. I, uh, first of all, I want to say that the, the broad uh, offerings of higher education in the United States, uh, whether it is private higher ed, uh, private faith-based higher ed, or even state schools, I think there's a place, uh, tech, technology centers, I think there's a place for all of those in the education of those in the United States. So I, I'm not necessarily thinking that everyone should go to a faith-based institution or even all believers should go to a faith-based institution. Uh, I came here from a state school in Florida and, uh, and it was a privilege to serve there. It's a good school. I think the distinction though has to be that, that our education has got to be saturated with faith in Christ. Our classrooms have got to be places where faith influences everything that we do and we teach. What does my faith have to do with history? What does my faith have to do with math or the sciences? I think there's room for that in all those classes. I was talking with a dean today, and she's excited about the service projects that her students are getting involved in, and she's passionate about it. And she said, that's the distinction that we have, and I completely agree with her. So our students are volunteering, uh, our nursing students are volunteering to do COVID vaccines uh, because there weren't enough personnel in the area to do that. I'm very proud of that. And I'm not saying that they're doing it just because we're a faith-based institution, but service has got to be a key aspect of, of what we do. Uh, there, is, there is a lot of pressure on the outside for us to conform to norms of society. And, you know, we've just got to stay the course and we've got to remain faithful and true to our, our mission. You know, COVID is going to happen and bad weather is going to happen and power outages are going to happen. And and other more serious things are going to happen, but we're going to stay focused on our mission. Uh, or if not, you know, we'll find ourselves drifting into um, into other areas where we're not really distinct anymore. We're just like everybody else. No, absolutely. I agree. What do you think, Kevin? I think that well, that's an outstanding answer. I, that that's That's hopeful. You know, we've got students, as you mentioned, who choose to go to state universities and sometimes just thrive there and are a great presence for Christ. And then there's the blessing of our Christian universities, a place where people can be formed and shaped spiritually in different ways and just benefit uh, from that environment. So love that. And so as the Christian university that you are the president over, Kentucky Christian University, as you, in case you forgot, <laughs> that's right that's a school as you are training pastors um one of your focuses isn't just raising up pastors but but creating new testament preachers and kingdom workers 
uh, focused on restoration movement roots because that's the heritage that you were founded on. What are some ways that the school is promoting and increasing awareness of the Stone Campbell movement? You know, I'm, I'm glad you asked that, Megan. I, I'm actually very concerned about the, the knowledge of the, of the uniqueness of the restoration movement within our churches. I don't think that those who were involved in the initial years of the restoration movement felt themselves to be better than others or, or to have a corner on the market of anything, but it was so unique to just plead back to the scripture for unity and faith and, and practice. And I just think that's a beautiful thing. And I'm very concerned that there's a, perhaps a bit of loss of knowledge in the local church about the wonderfulness of the restoration movement. And I, I think that the, the, particularly among independent churches like ours, the universities, uh, be it those within whatever branch of, of the restoration movement, have got to play a role of holding on to that knowledge and providing opportunities for people to experience it. So, uh, you know, we do happen to be in an ideal location to do that. And, and so we're looking forward to having a tour of Cane Ridge this year. And, and we intend to continue to do other activities to keep the, the plea of the restoration movement, the uniqueness of the restoration movement, and I guess the wonderfulness of the restoration movement in front of people. I, I think that as I look at our churches, I'm quite encouraged. I think there's a lot of healthy churches out there within the restoration movement, and I think there's growth to be seen, and I'm, I'm excited about it. However, the, the real danger is for there to be a lack of solid, trained leadership in those churches, uh, and then there's a danger of drift and, and confusion. And I think the Christian University, KCU being one of those, needs to be training leaders that are sound and able to lead those those growing churches. I think uh, a part of my excitement of being a part of Common Grounds is getting to know um, people like yourself in in different streams of the restoration movement. And yeah, I'm learning about colleges and universities that I'd only heard of, and now feel like I'm building some relationships. Um, so that excites me. And a part of our mission is to inform our listeners about different uh, people and resources and events and opportunities like education in a Christian university setting that they may not have been aware of. Um, let me ask you this, Tara, if I may. How, how are you and other universities within Restoration Churches and maybe across the streams, uh, how are you working together or how could you potentially envision more work being done together um, for the good of the broader movement? You know, pre-COVID, um, I, I think we were probably doing a better job at that. Uh, at this point, the uh, primary universities within the restoration movement, the independent Christian churches side of the restoration movement, we uh, the presidents do talk fairly regularly uh, once or twice a year. There's a lot of support there. I, I feel that support from them. I'm able to reach out to other presidents if I uh, need help with this or that. I think that there is, a, particularly on that level, a, a cooperative spirit among us. 
you know, our athletic teams compete against each other and, and uh, we sometimes try to recruit the same students and you know, those things are just going to be a reality. But at, at our level, it is a pleasure to work with those other university and college presidents to, to be able to think about the broader issues that are affecting all of our schools, because we really do need to present a unified front. Uh, on the local level, while they're not entirely all faith-based schools, uh, there's also a couple other local uh, statewide associations that we participate in too with schools that are in similar settings so that we too can cooperate together on uh, lately it's been items like uh, supplies for COVID relief or legislation that affects us all and so forth. And so I think particularly on, on the uh, administrative level, there are lots of areas where we can cooperate together. Dr. Alcorn, you wrote an article um, in the Christian Standard a while ago, and when I ask you this question, that's kind of what I'm hinting at. <laughs> is that I'll try um, to remember what, what I wrote then. <laughs> what do you think the uh, biggest challenge is when it comes to training ministers? Well, if I don't remember what I said in the article, ask me the question with the answer in it, and then I'll you got I'll, it. Uh, I'll try to pick that up. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, from my perspective, uh, when it comes to training ministers, it's really that reestablishing that flow that I was a part of so many years ago that the local church uh, went after and recruited the best among them, not, I was not one of those best, but I got caught up in the flow, but went after and recruited a, the best among them to encourage them to consider uh, not only Christian higher education, but ministry and, and service. And I then think that the universities, KCU included, uh, have to maintain uh the trust of the churches that they're going to do a good job at that ministry preparation and that we need to send them back out. And so there's this cycle of, um, of, of training going on. Uh, let me, let me uh, illustrate that a little bit. So one of the interesting roles that I sometimes play is I get contacted for uh, or by churches to see if I can recommend anyone to be their next minister. And I uh, was privileged to speak with a very healthy church that will, um, really have a great future. They have a great preacher who's retiring. I'm, I'm very excited for them. And, and I said to them, after I got to know them a little bit, I said, so you're asking me to reach into this pool of leaders out there and, and select one to recommend to you. And I said, I'll try to do that. But I said, while I'm doing that, I want you to answer a question for me. How many leaders have you put into that pool? Because I knew the answer, and the answer was none. And what we've got to do at the local church level is to begin to challenge leaders among us to consider ministry as the highest calling. There's nothing wrong with the other things that, that other people I went to school with have done with their lives. And uh, some of them have been faithful in the church and been great servants there and provided leadership there. But some of us have got to go into ministry. And some of us have got to get trained to be able to provide leadership. Well, and you make a, an excellent point there that I think is sometimes forgotten 
Um, you, you can only work with who you have in a university setting. The first training ground and place that cultivates people for ministry and taps people and helps them to, to sense their call into it is the local church. I, I loved hearing your story of, of uh, earlier, the, the way the local church uh, was the place where you heard about KCU. Uh, you didn't need somebody to come promote it to you. You had examples from within your congregation. Um, and I think, boy, that's the way forward. I, I love hearing you say that um, because it's still the local church where, where God is bringing young people up in an environment uh, to give them direction that might take them to a place like KCU. I think there's another side to it, though. I think that, that places like KCU have to be ready to, to adjust with the, the shifts of society. So back in the day, you know, people would sell all their belongings and move to Grayson, not Lexington, Grayson, and, <laughs> and, um, and go, to, go to KCU. I'm not sure that that's really the model at this point. I think the university's got to be able to reach out to them where they're at uh, and leverage technology to be able to provide training for them in a setting that they're able to receive it in. And so I, I don't want to give the impression I think the university doesn't have a role in providing education in a, in a venue, in a manner that's, that's easy for individuals to access. I think that we do. But the call to ministry has to happen at the local church. Uh, I was called to ministry when I was when I was a teenager. I was called to the mission field because of the training I was receiving here at KCU. So indeed, it gets more focused, and the vision of what God has for you gets clearer as as the training goes on. But the initial call that was that was my elders taking me calling when I was barely old enough to drive. That was them letting me speak on a Sunday night when, uh, you know, what a risk they took putting that young guy up there and there's no way to get him down once he's up there. What are you going to do, you know? Um, God bless him. I, I'm very excited. In a few weeks, I'll actually get to go back and speak at my home church. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell them all the things I'm telling you because I, I owe them the deepest of debts. Let me, can I take us down a little side road for a minute because you said something earlier and I've heard Megan mention it. Um, you mentioned a Cane Ridge uh, tour, leading a tour there, something you all are doing. Tell us about that. I think our listeners would be interested uh, since we, we are talking about things related to the Stone Campbell movement. Well, I, um, as your listeners may or may not know, one of the initial events uh, that that really sort of uh, launched the Second Great Awakening and what became the Restoration Movement uh, was a revival uh, in Cane Ridge uh, in 1801 in August. Uh, and uh, on August 7th, uh, 2021, uh, uh, 220 years, my math right there, Megan? Yes. Yeah, 220 years later, uh, we're uh, very excited to uh, host a tour uh, from the university over to Cane Ridge. And um, Megan has all types of amazing events planned, but we're very pleased to have Douglas Foster come and speak with us uh, about uh, Cane Ridge and, of course, about the restoration movement. We have Jerry Harris from the Christian Standard that's going to come speak to us. And Bob Russell is going to give a communion meditation, and we'll take communion uh, at Cane Ridge. We're pretty excited about the whole event. 
Boy, that is very exciting. I would love to be a part of it. And Megan, you are working to bring this together. Yeah. And we got barbecue for lunch. Hey, <laughs> but uh, sold. Uh, who? Everybody is now sold on wanting to be I, a part of that. I gave Bob Russell billing over barbecue. I, 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 I think it's probably appropriate. <laughs> yes. And we're going to have worship and music and uh, use the hymns that are there. I mean, it's going to be fantastic. I'm super excited about it. Oh, what a great opportunity. And if you guys want to buy your tickets, you can do that at www.kcu.edu forward slash Cane Ridge. That's one word, Cane Ridge. And they're only $35. So get your ticket today. That was oh. that was shameless. Shameless plug. <laughs> That's all right. We want to make people aware that are listening to our broadcast of good opportunities and good things. And boy, that's a good one. You know, I, I believe that our churches have just as vital of a message today as, as they did 220 years ago. And I think it's important that, all kidding aside, that we keep the amazing events of 220 years ago in people's memory so that they can understand what God was doing all those so many years ago and what it looks like today. Uh, it is, a, it is a, I think, a very important piece of what the university needs to be doing. Terry, let me ask you a question about um, KCU and athletics. Um, many universities, including KCU, they've expanded athletics over the last two decades. Um, how do you see universities really having a big athletic program and emphasizing preparing leaders for the church kind of going together? Well, it, it, the two are not in competition to um, to use the athletic term there. I, I think that it is important that we understand the role of athletics in higher education today. Um, you know, at the Christian camp, we don't really get bothered if they have archery or swimming or games because we know that that piece interests the, the, the young person to go get involved in camp. And oh, by the way, there's Vespers and Bible classes and so forth. And I think that model has worked for us uh, at the Christian camp level. At the church level, uh, you know, we have uh, family centers and basketball nights and midnight basketball and so forth uh, for the express reason of bringing people into the church that might not want to come on a Sunday morning at 1030. I think that's worked for us. I think what's happened at the university uh, universities uh, is really a, a similar approach, that there is an interest in among many students in continuing to enjoy the sport that they participated in while they were in high school. And that has um, that has grown uh, in all schools, uh, but particularly smaller schools uh, here, you're right, in the past couple of decades. Our oldest son went out west uh, to a school, a good school, to play soccer. I promise you that until he heard they had a soccer team, he had never heard of that school. And he went out there and, and, um, and did fine and played soccer. And it was the it was the draw for him to go get involved in that school and get an education there. I think that uh, KCU enjoys a robust athletic program. About 60% of our students 
a total headcount are involved in some type of athletic endeavor, and we're okay with that. The interesting thing that it's also benefited us with is a stronger minority population on campus. It's been helpful for us and healthy for us culturally, but it also gives us opportunity to share the message of the restoration movement with a broader spectrum of the population of the U.S. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, and it gives us opportunity where we didn't have opportunity before. We have a good international student population. We have a very aggressive uh, scholarshiping program for international students that also benefits and blesses our community here at the university and allows us to, again, influence uh, you know, influence the movement worldwide and be able to train those leaders too. Well, I love those programs at our Christian university where I went. They bring students together just in great ways, and a lot of energy comes out of that. Dr. Alcorn, if someone has um, heard what you have to say about KCU, you're training ministers, you are accepting students as they are. We've had a lot of baptisms in the past couple of years. We've also sent out a lot of like legit kingdom workers um, legit kingdom workers that's yes. right they're not like kind of kingdom workers they are legit ones um, and I'm pretty judgy so let's just go with that um, <laughs> um let's say someone says you know what I my church this sounds like something my church would be into I want my church to get involved or I want to send support how can people support the university um, obviously financially at kcu.edu forward slash give. And we also have Covenant Church programs. But how can people support the university outside of just giving as well? You know, I, I think that there are several things they can do. And, and listen, I, I just want to say uh, here on the record uh, for everyone listening, we are incredibly grateful to the churches and individuals that support us. Uh, I we simply could not do what we do without that amazing support. So the $400,000 in international student scholarships that we did last year, that just doesn't happen without support from individuals and churches, and we're grateful for it. I want to be very clear that while we're very grateful for that financial support, the, the, the biggest thing that individuals and churches can do for us, first of all, is pray that God would call more workers uh, into kingdom service and that, that, that then they would in turn send those individuals that feel called to ministry to us to be trained. It, it's about students. It's, it's about training people. And while we are not passive at all, we're pretty aggressive about recruiting it is really the local church that raises up the effective leaders that we receive. Well, Terry, it has been a great opportunity to visit with you and get to know you. Our, uh, our Christian uni uh, universities have played a vital role in the life of this movement and our churches and will continue to moving forward. So I'm excited to hear about the things that are happening at Kentucky Christian University and to learn more about it. And I've got to get to Grayson, Kentucky at some point and visit there. Not Lexington, Grayson. Hey, we'll take you. I'd love to come out. We've got one question. Lexington's a fine town, but you will not find <laughs> no, Kentucky Christian I'd University. I'd be there. driving all through it and never find it. Um, <laughs> uh, we've got one question that we ask all of our guests, and it's a really kind of a deep and heady question, so you may want to think about this a little bit. But I'm ready. we, our theme in, in Common Grounds is that unity starts with a cup of coffee. 
It's relational, getting to know one another. So we ask all of our guests, how do you take your coffee? Well, first of all, I learned to drink coffee while I worked at a car dealership uh, in Northeastern Ohio. They told me two things when I started. They said, we're going to teach you how to drink coffee and how to cuss. <laughs> I, I failed at the cussing part, but I did pretty well at the coffee part. Great. But I did not understand how wonderful coffee could be until I got to Latin America and started drinking Café con Leche, and my favorite brand is Bustelo. Ooh. And uh, it is it is just joy in a cup. Very exact. Where would somebody find that? Can you find that easily uh, in a grocery store? And Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. I, I see it. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, very commonly in uh, in the grocery store. Say that again. I'm going to have li- and they're not sponsors, folks, of the program. <laughs> say say that again. Bustelo, B U S T E L O. Cafe. Well, okay. So you're going to You yeah. said coffee with milk, right? I did, but See, I speak Spanish. Well, just those no, words. That, just that, that, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> so you're not going to get cafe con leche in the bag of Bustelo, you're going to get the cafe. You've got to find a Latin American to help you with the con leche part. <laughs> okay. <good>. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's been so great having you, Dr. Alcorn. Thank you so much for coming. Guys, tune in next week as we interview another wonderful leader who is helping unify the restoration movement. We'll see you next time. Kevin, say goodbye to the good people. So good to be with you, everybody. Look forward to being with you next time. Thank you, Terry Alcorn, for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast with Megan and Kevin. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources, and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments, You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.